Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Notice in verse 4 it says, Then all the elders of Israel, they gathered together, and they came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Look, you're old. Well, thank you very much. Now he was old, and your sons did do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like the nations. everyone and thank you for joining us today on truth in christ the elders told samuel to make for us a king there was a difference between a king and a judge a judge was a leader raised up by god usually to meet a specific need in a time of crisis when the crisis was over usually the judge went back to doing what he did before A king not only held his office as king as long as he lived, he also passed his throne down to his descendants. Unfortunately, we see Israel failed to realize that God was their king and thus suffered the consequences. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. Going to great depths, and it was just this constant roller coaster. We see that throughout their history. But there is no guarantee that just because we are walking with the Lord that our kids or our grandkids will walk with the Lord as well. I wish there was some kind of clause. I wish there was some kind of declaration that could be signed, you know, between us and God. Lord, if I had this child, you know, would you make them like, you know, if I'm doing really well, make them like me, you know, where they're walking with the Lord. But it just doesn't work that way. They have to make that decision all by themselves. They can't get into heaven by riding in on their parents' coattails. You've heard that phrase before. And so it makes you wonder, where did Samuel go wrong? I mean, here's a man with a great character. God rose him for such a time as this. I mean, he was at the time when Israel needed a strong moral leader. A moral leader and also a a leader who was um, a military leader as well. But he was strong in the Lord. What happened with his sons? Was he too busy in the ministry? You know, typically that happens. Sometimes the most famous people in Christendom, I know that Billy Graham and Franklin Graham, there was a time when Franklin Graham rebelled against his father. I think he wrote a book called Rebel with a Rebel with a Cause or something like that, but basically he rebelled against the Lord. Because his father was so busy in ministry, he hardly ever saw him. But what happened with Samuel and his sons? It makes you wonder, was he too busy? 
We always have to remember that. That's something I have to remember. Because even though the ministry is important, the family that you have is very important. God gave that to us first before he gave us the ministry. So we can't neglect the one. But did he somehow fail as a father? You know, and maybe he didn't fail at all. Maybe he brought his kids, his boys up under the nurture of the Lord. You know, we don't really know. Maybe they chose. It's always a decision, isn't it? We always have a decision to make. And they had to make the decision for themselves. There's some good advice from Solomon for us all. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1, it says this. Proverbs 22. It says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And Samuel had a really great name, didn't he? And his sons were kind of tarnishing that good name. But a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. And a prudent man foresees evil and he hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor in life. Thorns and snares are in the way of, of the perverse, and he who guards his soul will be far from them. Sounds a lot like his sons, but I love this verse. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I would love to know how these young men turned out. But it's important for us as parents to train up our children in the way they should go. And if they have that deep foundation in the Word of God, when, they, when everything hits the fan when they get older, and when they find themselves engrossed in sin or in great trouble, they will always, usually, come back because it's the one thing, the one foundation that they knew of. And if you do it when they're young, it's so wonderful because that's all they've ever known. It's all they've ever heard. And then when they get into the mess, there's only one recourse, and that's to return. Just like the prodigal son. He says, you know, I had it so much better back at my dad's house. I, know, I knew of his unconditional love. And I've got nothing. I've spent all my money. I thought I had all these friends until the money went dry. And then I realized I have no friends. Isn't that usually the case? Every rich person has a lot of friends until the money goes. Then all of a sudden, they don't hang around anymore. The parties don't happen. The free food and the free booze no longer happen. Notice in verse 4 it says, Then all the elders of Israel, they gathered together, and they came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Look, you're old. Well, thank you very much. Now he was old, and your sons did do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like the nations. Proverbs chapter 13 says, A wise son heeds his father in his instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. And his sons evidently didn't listen. But now he's old, and now the people are like, you know what? You were a great leader, Samuel, but your sons are not like you. Make us a king. Make us a king. Make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Notice that now they're going to choose a monarchy over a theocracy. And this is really bad news because, at least for three reasons. 
Number one, Samuel's sons were corrupt and they were frustrated. They're like, he's not like you. They are not like you. We'd much rather have you, but guess what? You're, You're passing from the scene. Make us a king. Make us a king. Make us another judge. Notice they didn't say make us another judge because God makes the judge, right? It's not passed down. It makes you wonder what would have happened if they just said, you know what, you're passing from the scene. I believe God probably would have raised up another judge. But that's not what happened. That's not what history bears out. And the second thing Perhaps the reason they wanted a king is that they weren't content in being unique among the nations and having God govern them. And thirdly, they wanted to be like everyone else. You know, it's funny, when you're young, you want to be different. I remember when I was in my early teens, I wanted to be different. That was the cry of every teenager's heart. Well, I just want to be different. But why is it then that we all buy the same clothes, we all buy the same shoes, we all listen to the same music, and we all do the same things? And we're so uh, conforming to one another. We're not really being individuals. But, you know, that's part of the process of growing, and we know that. And there's nothing wrong with that, per se. But they were unique. God made them unique. He wanted them to, contain, to be maintain that uniqueness. And even peer pressure, you know, it doesn't happen with just individuals, but it happens with presidents, kings, countries. We want to be like those other countries, And again, what was so bad about what God had done with them? Was it so bad that God brought them through the desert for 40 years? I mean, think about it. The Sinai Desert is not a really nice place. And yet, hundreds of thousands, some even estimate one million or one and a half million people are coming out of Egypt, and God is feeding them every single day. He's giving them water to drink. And the Bible says that the sandals on their shoes, on their feet, didn't even wear out. He provided for everything along the way. And all the while, they were complaining and griping and and always chafing against the authority that God had given to Moses. And God proved them in the desert. He couldn't bring them into the promised land because they weren't ready, because they were going to face giants. They were going to face some real problems. And God had to try them in the desert. And many of them perished except for a generation And God had to purify. He had to learn them. He had to school them. He had to test their hearts. And a remnant came into the promised land. It's interesting that Saul, being the first king, Saul was a Benjamite. We're going to find that out later. He's from the line of Kish, who was from the tribe of Benjamin. But I find it interesting in Genesis chapter 49, you don't have to go there, but you might want to write the reference off the side of your Bible, uh, Genesis 49, verses 9 through 12. Genesis 49, verse 9 through 12. And that was really when Jacob was on his deathbed, and he was prophesying over his 12 sons. And you remember what happened when he got to Judah. He said, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He he bows down, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? And notice in verse 10 of Genesis 49, the scepter, this is the right to rule. This is the symbol of of kingship, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. This is a very messianic promise of Jesus Christ coming to through the line of Judah. And so the the, the Jesus, the Messiah, would come through the lion or come through the line, excuse me, of Judah. 
That will be the line of the kings. And that's the way it was. So what's with Benjamin? What's with Saul? It was almost like from the very beginning, he didn't quite fit. He was sort of like a, a, a foot out of joint. He was sort of like a loose tooth. It just didn't work. It didn't fit. And yet God was very gracious to Saul, gave him every opportunity to succeed. But Saul quickly disobeyed God and wanted to do his own thing. And on top of all of this, they broke the Ten Commandments. What was the very first commandment? Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. God spoke these words. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then what did he say? You shall have no other gods before me. The word gods is lowercase g, which means rulers or, or um, a, a judge. You shall have no rulers or judge other than me. And yet they wanted a king. So already they're in deep trouble. Verse 6, though, back in our text, it says, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel did what? He threw a temper, a temper tantrum. He stomped up and down, pulled out his beard. He started throwing things at people, yelling obscenities. Is that what he did? No, it says, So Samuel prayed to the Lord. That's a pretty good thing. That's a really good thing. Would to God that we do that more when we find something that we don't like. And I've got to take that as medicine for myself because lately there's been a lot of things I've been grumbling about in my heart and even outwardly. But I love the response of Samuel. He didn't throw a fit or a temper tantrum. He prayed to the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. And then in verse 7 it says, And the Lord said to Samuel, notice, heed the voice of the people. Are you kidding me? Lord, they, what they want to do is not right. No, Samuel, I know. Just, just heed their voice. Listen to them. Do what they say. Heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. Three times in this chapter, we're going to see God saying this very same thing to Samuel. Heed their voice. Heed their voice. Heed their voice. There's something about three. He says it here in verse 7. He says it again in the next two verses in verse 9. He says it again in verse 22 of this chapter. And there's a dangerous thing when God gives you what you want because of your rebellion. You want something so bad, and that was really their, their heart. They wanted a king. They didn't want things to continue the way they wanted. They didn't want to be governed by God anymore. They wanted to be like everybody else, want to have a king over us. You know, free will is a dangerous thing. It's a, a double-edged sword. You may get what you want, but it will turn to gravel in your mouth most of the time. It may be sweet in your mouth right now, but it will soon be bitter in your stomach when we get what we want. Instead of surrendering my will to the will of God. Has anybody wrestled against God with your will? Lord, I want to do this. I want to do it this way. And God says, I don't want you to do that. And please don't do that way because you're going to be going down a whole road that's going to lead you to, to destruction. And you know the scary thing about free will is that when we fight, when we fight, when we fight, and we dig our heels in. Have you seen a, a lady? I, I remember seeing a lady um, taking a dog for a walk, and it was this little poodle, and, and she's dragging the poodle. And the poodle has got, you know, he's got his feet, you know, and he's got his feet ball, all fours, and they're just stuck in the ground, and, and she's trying to pull him, and he's just like, you know, the thing's coming up around his neck and almost ready to come over the top of it. 
You've seen the picture. (laughs) And that's the way we can be too. And there comes a point where God says, you really want it that bad? You really want it that bad? Okay. You fought me. And I'll let you. I'll let you have what you want. I'll see you in a little while. (laughs) And then he just, the presence of the Lord just kind of disappears. I mean, he's there with you, don't get me wrong. But he just kind of, his influence, he just kind of waits and then we get into trouble, and then we come back, and the Lord is not upset about that. He's not like a human father. Finally coming back, huh? Told you so. Have you had anybody tell you that before? Have a father? See, I told you what would happen, and now you're coming back with your tail between your legs. You ever had somebody nasty like that speak to you? God doesn't speak to you like that. But he does let you run with it. It's sort of like bait, you know? It's like for those of you who fish, it's like throwing out a shrimp down in Florida and you got this big spool of, 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 of line and you just run with it and you run with it and you got it in your mouth and you're just taking off and you just let the spool go hundreds of yards and the fish is just thinking, oh, I got away with it, I got away with it and, just, and all of a sudden, <laughs> and that's where the rubber hits the road when we find that well, the decision we made was horrible because we wanted our will to be done. There's always a consequence for rebellion, for disobedience. And Israel's going to find that out. They're going to see that the king that they've chosen was not really a good king. And they disobeyed the Lord. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, the Lord says, and this is before the flood happened, the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. God will not always put up with our, with our fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. Sometimes he just give you what you want. And I fought the Lord and got what I wanted. And I realized that really, after a while, it just kind of lost its glimmer. It lost its luster, whatever it was, the newness, the whatever. The, it just kind of fades away and then you're on to the next thing. And yet you did anything to achieve that one thing, to get that one thing. You, you, you had so much sacrifice to get that one thing. And the Lord, it's almost like he's saying, was it really worth it? Was it really worth getting what you want? I remember a young lady who was in the fellowship here many years ago, at least 15 years ago. Her friend got married, and she was so bitterly jealous that her friend got married before her. And so she went out and got married. She went out. It was such a, an idol to her in her heart. She had to be married. It was her will be done. And she wanted it so bad that she went out and, believe me, ladies, if you're, if you're pretty, it doesn't take long to find a husband. You find, might find the wrong husband. And that's exactly what she did, and her marriage didn't last very long. I think she had a child, and the whole thing dissolved very bitterly. But she just had to be married, had to be married. My will be done. Instead of waiting upon the Lord and just swallowing it and asking the Lord to examine her heart, it ended very nastily. It was very horrible to see. You remember in Numbers chapter 22 that Balaam, or Balak, the son of, or the king of Moab, when the children of Israel were coming through the desert before they entered the promised land, that Balak, the, the king, he saw this huge number of people coming. So he, he hires out Balaam. 
And Balaam comes and he says, just curse these people. I don't know what the guy was thinking of. But Balaam says, no, I, you know, um, you know, I, I really can't do that. And, uh, but I'll pray to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Balaam and said, don't you go with these men, Balaam. Don't go with these men. And so he wakes up the next day and the same group of guys come back and say, hey, will you come and curse these people for us? And didn't God tell him, no. Don't go with the people. But what does he say? Well, let me just pray, because now they bring gifts and money. Now they come with a blank check. And he's like, hmm, better go pray to the Lord again and find out what he really meant. You know, did he really mean that, Lord? And then he goes to the Lord, and the Lord says, you know what, Balaam, just go. Just go. And it says in Numbers 22, verse 22, it says the ang- God's anger was aroused because he went. God told him to go, but he, co- he told him to go because Balaam's heart was so wrong. And God knew his, his heart was wrong because now he goes back a second time asking for you know, clarification. Did you really mean this? Now I got you know, a lot of gold and stuff. Are you sure you don't want me to go? And he's like, you know what, Balaam? You're gonna, we're going to go this round and round and round and round, and it's never going to end. Just go but you do what I tell you to do. But God wasn't pleased with him. In fact, God caused an angel to come before the donkey. Remember the the situation where the Lord, he was completely blind to the angel, but the donkey was very cognizant that the angel was there and crushed his foot against the wall, trying to avoid this angel in the way. And finally, he swats the donkey, and the donkey is like, what have I done to you? (laughs) And then the scary thing is they're having a conversation. You know you're mad when you're talking to a donkey. But again, he want, he, in his heart, he was a man of covetousness. He wanted it, and so God just says, you know what? That's really where you're at, Balaam. We don't know how long God had been wrestling with Balaam before this time. But the Lord's just like, you know what? Just go. And that's always a bad thing when God says, go ahead. Not a good thing. So, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, even to this day, God says, in which they have forsaken me and they've served other gods, so they are going to do to you also. And so, as they disobeyed the Lord, they would also disobey Samuel. And it's interesting, you'd think that they would, you know, um, you know if, if they disobey God, they're certainly going to disobey him. What did Jesus say in John's Gospel, chapter 15? Verse 18, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Or if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my word, they will keep yours also. And God is saying, Samuel, they're not listening to me. And believe me, they're not going to listen to you at all either. You know, we can sometimes think that because we're Christians, maybe because we even got, uh, maybe because we're gifted, you might have a gift, you might be uh, attractive, you might have all the right pedigrees, you may even look nice. <laughs> and we think that people are going to treat us any better than they treated Jesus, and it never works. If what they did to Jesus, they're going to do it to you too. Because a servant is not above his master. Notice verse 9. Now, therefore, heed their voice. The second time God tells them, Now listen to them, Samuel. If that's what they want, give it to them. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king that shall reign over them. Reign over them. 
And this is really I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.